0: We are Marquette.
1: We are Marquette. 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 I'm Tim Sigelski. And joining us today is Opus College of Engineering Dean, Chris Rappella. Dr. Chris Rappella earned her bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering at Marquette and went on to earn her master's and doctorate at Northwestern University. She returned to Marquette and taught for more than 20 years in the classroom before becoming dean of the college. We talked about the challenges and opportunities of changing the face of engineering to include more women and underrepresented minorities, and why that's important to her. We also discussed changing the mindset of what she calls the obedient engineer to think more creatively about innovation in the engineering field. One of her priorities has been around getting engineering students and faculty to collaborate more with others outside their discipline. And she shares the results of collaboration from one of the college's hackathons. And now, here's my conversation with Dean Chris Rapella. So you have been Dean, uh, it was two years ago this July. Uh, you were named the um, permanent dean. Uh, you were interim dean for a year before that. So it's been three years in that position. Obviously you had other positions and you've been at Marquette for a while. Um, but during that time as dean now for two to three years, what has been some of the biggest challenges and what during that time have you been most proud of?
0: Good question, Tim. I think um, in terms of challenges, really the biggest challenge the last few years has really been putting other leadership in place in the college. You know. Um, if you think about all of the things that we're doing in terms of teaching and research and service and connecting with the community, it takes enough leaders to, to you know, to assume or take charge of these things and. Uh, it's been a challenge to find enough more senior faculty to do those things. We, we've we had a lot of retirements over the last few years. And um, we've hired a lot of new young faculty, which is very exciting in terms of the energy they bring and their future leadership potential. But while they're young faculty, we try to protect them uh, in terms of the teaching and research they need to do. because. When they go up for promotion and tenure, those are the things that are going to be assessed as. So we really look to more senior faculty, uh, particularly full professors, to help us with the leadership in the college. And um, we just don't have large numbers in that in that in that case. And so many of them are also successful with their teaching and their research. But you know, we need faculty to serve on university and college committees. We need faculty to help us with community outreach, um, faculty to help us uh, serve as associate deans and directors of graduate programs. And so um we it's you know we just don't, don't have a lot of numbers and so many people have full plates and and to tap into them one more time is a challenge so but yet I know that in order for us to sort of achieve our strategic plan and um, do all the cool things that we want to do to be a really a destination engineering college um, we need to be executing on a lot of these things and we need good leadership to do that and so it's really finding those leaders and really changing the culture of the college so that everybody in the College sees themselves as a leader. Mm. I've been really intentional about that in the last few years, from everybody having sort of a book to read to mm. our monthly meetings with, you know, office associates, our directors, our department chairs and associate deans but really conveying a message to the college that um, you're all leaders we, all, we need everybody to you know to, mm-hmm. to play some sort of leadership role because we're doing a lot of really good things and um, but we need a lot of people to, to pitch in and, and do that
1: so do you have a book club is that what I- <laughs> uh
0: not so much a book club but but for example um, last year all of the faculty um, I gave them all a book called a whole new engineer which is really about a whole new way of thinking about the way we educate our engineers and what that's going to take and where things are moving all of my directors and associate deans and department chairs have read things like The Advantage, um, Lencioni's book, The Advantage. I've had them all read um, Dan Goleman's book on emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. They've all read um, um, the book on um, heroic leadership by Chris Lowney. It's a favorite here on campus. Um, my office associates have read a book on um, called um, The TED Triangle, and it's about moving out of the what you call the... Um, I'm forgetting, something triangle to innovation triangle. But anyways, it's really about how you respond to challenges and how do you respond to adversity and Mm -hmm. when things are happening, how do you move out of that triangle where you're either a victim or a rescuer or, we're all you know, sure.
1: yep. right that, yeah.
0: into, you know, you've heard about some of this into where you're more of a creator, a coach and a, you know, a, a challenger kind of thing. So everybody's having conversations mm-hmm. about how we better leaders. And we're having a number of um, staff and faculty take things like the stress. I mean, the strengths testing, you know, our strengths assessment mm-hmm. in terms of where are your strengths and how does that um, affect your relationships with other people and your you know ability to contribute to, you know, teamwork and organizational um, practice so really just developing a common vocabulary uh, expectation culturally um, also a culture where we are open and transparent and we pra- where we act with integrity uh, maybe things we didn't always have in the past we learn how to have real adult conversations when it comes to you know conflict and mm-hmm. um, it's really about how do we have better relationships with people because in the end our effectiveness our ability to get things done is dependent upon relationships
1: so that's really interesting that kind of what I'm hearing is like there's all there's to have innovation you have to do kind of the human side you have to have the personal side you have to think about the impact you have to think about the person next to you the person in front of you that's an interesting way to think about all the things that we are want to do with the college um, where did that come from for you like where did this like where did you get those influences and those thoughts and those kind of like this yeah. is what we need to do to move us forward
0: excellent excellent way to describe it you know I just think over the years in my own experiences and um, in working in organizations with teams and my leadership positions Um, The most fun part, but also the most challenging part is the people, right, and relationships with other people. And it is people that get things done. It is people that move us through change. It is people who innovate. So how do we create environments in which we really draw the best out of people and help them to be their best and give them the resources they need and the and really the the authority they need or whatever it might be to um, be their most creative selves and to use their gifts to their potential. And But you have to work with others, right? I mean, we know we, we don't live in isolation. We live with lots of other people. And, and leadership is about moving people through change. And and so I think I've learned a lot of it by everything from attending leadership workshops and training myself to really watching others and, and the way that they've been effective and watching people who I think are not so effective and made mistakes and what is it about those people. Um, I read a lot. I have sort of a hobby of reading about leadership books. and But even more so, I think what's influenced me most is being in a Jesuit environment and really learning about Ignatius and what I call an Ignatian mindset, right, right which is really about being a servant leader and our experience. Uh, our ability to really to be at our best, our ability to serve the world, really comes through our relationship with other people, right? And, and loving what we call loving other people. And I, I'm, my faith, my Catholic faith, has had a, has a big influence on the way I lead. And even more so, knowing more about the Jesuit and Ignatian sort of lens on leadership, that has even impacted me more in terms of servant leadership. And my role is really to serve others, lead through serving others. And uh, so I think about how do we do that. That. Well, it's really in our relationships with other people, and we know we only really know God's love through our love of other people, and I and that's something I take very seriously in my leadership. And how do we truly love others? Because it's through that love and through those relationships where I think we best motivate and, and serve others.
1: Your experience as a student, uh, both here at Marquette and at Northwestern, how does that inform what you want to do today for the student experience today um, as a dean? When you look at you know the class of 2021 that comes in, uh, the student of today, uh, what do you want for them that either you had as a student or that you didn't have that you wish that now they can get, mm-hmm. that you can help them?
0: Um, when I first came back, as so a faculty member, one thing that I really wanted to do more of was help students put theory into practice. I thought when I was an undergraduate, I left, and I had a whole lot of theory, but didn't really know how to put any of it into practice. And so I think we do a much better job today of helping our students see how does this link to what's going on in the real world? How do you put this into place in the real How do you use this? How is it relevant? Um, really help them translate what they're learning in the classroom to how they're going to be problem solving in industry, in their graduate school, whatever it might be. So I think we do a much better job of it, much more hands-on, what we call high-impact learning practices. It's not just a student with their book and, you know, study all by themselves. I think we do a lot more teamwork. Um, we, the technology has changed a lot. Uh, in terms of we no longer the keepers of knowledge. You know, when I was a student and you'd sit around and you'd say, well, I'll go to the library tomorrow, look that up, or I'll go talk to a professor tomorrow. They don't have to do that anymore. It's all readily accessible. So we think a little bit more differently about what are we actually doing in the classrooms? Um, and given the fact that they can access stuff pretty quickly, we're not the keepers of it anymore. And so what are we doing? How are we uh, interfacing with them? So I think they do more teamwork. I think we're doing a little more coaching. We ourselves are learning a lot more about how do we more effectively make use of technology and what's available to enhance learning, to maybe speed up the learning curve, maybe get more in-depth knowledge about something. So um, I think we're looking at that as well. I also, I personally would like to see us sort of bring more fine arts back into engineering education as well. I think we've sort of gotten away from that creativity part. And we know that the engineer of the future is going to do less and less of sort of the um, obedient work they did in the past. They're not going to spend as much time cranking out equations and plugging in numbers. And computers are doing all that, right? So I think they have to have a more systems, a systems level sort of view of what they're doing as engineers. They be, need to be far more creative problem solvers. And so how do we enhance some of that, you know, through fine arts education, through humanities education? I also hope that we're developing an Ignatian mindset in our engineers. So while we're trying to create an an entrepreneurial mindset in them, um, we also want to develop an Ignatian mindset. I hope that our engineers are always thinking about and reflecting on How is my work impacting humanity in the way I treat my workforce, in the way I run my company, in the way I behave as a stockholder? How are we impacting environment? How are we impacting economics? How are we impacting people who are marginalized? And so that's the unique piece that we as a Jesuit institution bring to engineering. And I hope we're really cultivating that mindset as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, You'd mentioned creativity, and that's something I I, I teach a Creativity Seminar uh, with a lot of engineers. um, And I see a hunger for creativity among them. And it's not just that, Oh, it's fun to do, though it it can be. But it's also you look at automation replacing things that people, humans, traditionally did. Yes. And it's a necessity. You know, you have to learn. How are you going to be relevant and uh, impactful in the future? That's going to look very different. Uh, So, some what are some ways uh, maybe through a class, through a professor, a program, uh, a practice uh, that you've seen creativity uh, being taught, being learned, being practiced Mm -hmm. in your college?
0: That's a good question. We've actually had over the years, we have some professors who intentionally um, teach some courses and intentionally talk about creativity, everything from drawing to um, uh, different types of creative problem solving that are not typically in the engineering realm. So some of it's in coursework, but I think more powerful is when we give our students open-ended challenges, So whether it is in, in, in design class. Um, or just open-ended problems where there is no right solution. And they struggle with that often at first. Mm-hmm. They don't like that. They want that nice answer where I just you know I'm going to get my A. And so, But they quickly learn that there's this great opportunity for um, creativity here, and that's what you're going to do when you get in the world. Well, there isn't, if we already had the answers, we wouldn't have to be educating you, or the business would have it all you know wrapped up, and we don't have that. So giving them open-ended challenges. I think providing resources so our students can have their clubs where they're doing things like the Baja car or aero team is – flying airplanes and competitions. They love all that. There's no there's no grade to it. There's no assignment. There's no faculty sort of limiting what they can do. They're f- sort of free reigns in that in that space. And so they tend to be very creative there and do things that we never thought about. Many of our students are in music. We have a lot of students in choir and band and orchestra. I'm a big believer in music and music and engineering. And people don't often see that side. But most of our engineers do have some good musical background. And mm-hmm. I think everything from playing music to doing dance to playing instruments, we Highly encourage them to to the, to to have that part of their life as well, and not always spending their time on their engineering stuff. Um, and like I said, the arts. Um, I you know how do we. How do we give them? We've talked about how we can maybe create maybe studios, even in engineering, where there's more opportunity to do art of some sort, photography, drawing, painting. Um, we've talked about having sort of the artwork of the month feature in some in some sort of display and people could actually bid on it and you know pay money for it. So, you know, encouraging those kinds of activities that you don't normally associate with stereotype of engineer, but I think it's really important. We're trying to change what I call change the face of engineering the diversity of people we bring into the engineering profession, I think it'll make us, the more diversity we have and people who have different lenses on the world, I think the more creative we'll be as engineers. And I think mm-hmm. we don't ha- quite have that right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the diversity in just a minute. So remind me, You bet. <laughs> I'll get back to that. But I also want to talk about, you mentioned a lot of extracurricular, co-curricular programs you have. And I think that's key, kind of what you talked about, the breaking out of the, if I do X, I get Y. If I do X in the classroom, I get Y grade, which doesn't always encourage a lot of creativity, but but when you give people projects to work on because they're interesting and they can go in many directions, that's when you see like innovation start to sprout. And I I know you and your college has a lot of that. You have your hackathons, your weekend hackathons. You mentioned the Baja car. Uh, Can you dive into one of those, maybe the Baja car hackathon or one of those others and explain what you saw kind of bloom or what you saw happen at one of those events?
0: Sure, what we're really doing is creating opportunities where students can fail and not afraid to fail. Too often in a classroom, they're just thinking about that grade and I have to meet this deadline and have to get it done. And so they're not giving themselves time and space to fail. And Maybe the faculty aren't either. So these kinds of things... They can go ahead and fail; they're okay, and and, and it's and then it gives it, it opens doors to them and be more creative. So I think about hackathon. Hackathon's a great example of something that was really the company Direct Supply who came to us with this idea of we've done these hackathons and we'd like to try it here at Marquette with your engineers. And we thought sure we didn't know how it was going to go. We had it on a Saturday starting at I think eight in the morning, and it ran till about nine o'clock at night. And you know the first time I think we had about eighty students sign up. They could sign up with their own teams, any composition, anybody wanted on the team any size team. And they came in and um, Direct Supply brought in about 20, about 22, 23 of their own engineers and some business people to be there all day to be as service coaches or just ask questions or, you know, sort of be guides, whatever. But the students were really given an open ended problem at the beginning of the day to come up with something that would improve senior care or make senior living a better experience. And they just kind of went off, you know, and, and we provided lots of food and drink and some entertainment for the day. And, and Direct Supply had door prizes and they had prizes at the end. And at the end of the day, they present sort of their you know their business plan and pitch their idea. And then we have judges from both industry and academia who sort of pick some winning teams. And the winning team might win $2,000, second place $1,000. And money speaks. I mean, it's amazing. When you have these kinds of prizes, all of a sudden you've got these students showing up a Saturday morning at 8 mm-hmm. o'clock. And they worked all day long, diligently, in a way that I never see them work on classwork. I mean, it's just amazing, right? Because this is something they kind of own themselves. And they brought themselves as their own team. And... It's just a great experience. We've done it now for three years, and then last year, some things changed in terms of, um we had well over 100 students, and now we had students from the business college, and students from nursing, and students from health sciences. So we um, were getting students from across disciplines, mm. and I think that was a real benefit. And at the end of the night, what you saw is some of the teams who had the best presentations had the business students mm. with the engineering students, and had you know that perspective brought into it as well. So it's been a great experience, and now both Direct Supply and our own staff are looking at having multiple companies there now at Hackathon. So multiple companies could present challenges of the day. So it keeps growing. And it's just uh, just kind of the work ethic you see and the creativity and excitement around something like that has been a great experience.
1: I, and I didn't know that there was other disciplines brought into it already. So that's, I mean, I think that brings whole different thinking. And yeah. so you said presentations were different when they mm-hmm. had Engineering nursing. and business students. Oh, very cool.
0: So I think that um, lends itself to something I personally would like to see a lot more of is how do we do more to sort of bring down those walls between colleges and disciplines so that our students had the opportunity to work together truly on multidisciplinary teams. I mean, there was a point in time when we you know, multidisciplinary means mechanical engineers worked with electrical engineers and biomeds. <laughs> okay, that, that's where we started. But, yeah. you know, the real world's a little different like that, than that. So, you know, that's why I'm very excited about some of the stuff we're doing at the College of Business. Um, we're talking about bridge to business programs. How do we give our engineers greater business acumen? How do business students learn more about technology and what's happening there? Because, you know, sort of those lines between business engineering education are going to blur, I think, you know, because of automation, because of things that are being done in an automated fashion. We don't necessarily need the obedient business person anymore, you know, Know, the mm-hmm. accountant financing a lot of that's going to be done in automated systems as well so how are sort of our engineers and business people working together to think about what is that company the future? What, how do we, how does innovation and invention occur in the future and, and what do you have to bring together? But you also bring in, you know, you know your humanities people, health science, whatever, it takes these teams. So I hope mm-hmm. we're going to be doing more. And our students ask for it. We know our engineering students have talked about, love to work truly on teams where I have people from across different disciplines on campus addressing, you know, real problems. So how do we give them those opportunities? I think that's important for the future. And our faculty too. So when we were working on the core curriculum here and it was really fun to be I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the capstone committee and it was nice to um, work with people from a lot of different colleges over a what a year two-year period to talk about what sort of that capstone experience and you know we all want students to work across disciplines etc but the conversation off also turned to well, what are we as do, do what are we doing as faculties to model this behavior yep right how mm-hmm. uh, When was the last time somebody from that college came up to my college and talked to their faculty to learn about what we do and vice versa so we as faculty need to role model that too mm-hmm. and I think Through the new core revision, I think we have an opportunity to really bring faculty together, have them do some learning together, um, training together, thinking together around, let's say, this capstone experience, practicing some of the same stuff we expect of our students, and then get that out to the students as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a couple years ago, I did uh, a project with um, social media or with uh, social media and the college communication, and they students worked with uh, different colleges to put together a social media strategy and program, Uh, and I had a group of students who worked with the robotics program at the College of Engineering, and they were thrilled to learn that we had a robotics program and we had robots, and they're like, I didn't know this existed. Uh, and I find that a lot of times like people just have to be given permission or be introduced to something or know that it exists half a block away Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a block away and you can go work with them. Yeah. Uh, so it just takes kind of uh, a lot of times a convener, uh, a leader, a faculty member who, or whoever, who just says like, Hey, let's work with this group over here and see what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's fun, right? That's fun. That's part of my, what I consider, you know, part of my continual learning lifelong learning is what is happening in the other disciplines? What are my colleagues doing? And I particularly enjoy bringing together groups of people from different disciplines, and and on giving the resources they need to do something new and creative. Um, I, it's, that's to me that's what drives me as a leader. Is you know what can what can we do? And I see this I see this great thing going on here, and this going on here, and I see some great opportunities to bridge and to bring them together to do even better things. And so I think we need to you know do more of that.
1: So you talked about changing the face of engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we doing on that? I know um, we've had some initiatives on that for the last couple of years. Um, where are we right Right now, where can we do better uh, mm-hmm. and what can we do to, to change that?
0: So I think there, when we talk about t- changing the face of engineering, really three areas. One is sort of the diversity of students and faculty that we're bringing into our college in the first place, the community we have in the college. And, and then the second would be the face of our graduates. Uh, we don't need the obedient engineer of the past. We need a much more creative, innovative, entrepreneurial, global-minded engineer. And then changing the face of our college and the way the world looks at our whole college are we are we multidisciplinary? Are we innovative as a college? Are we globally minded? You know those sorts of things. But if we focus sort of on that first piece, which is the diversity of our students and faculty, we have a ways to go. Um, you know, one one particular area I'd like to see a lot more women in engineering, and we're we're about twenty five percent. You know, um, which is actually pretty good. National norms are actually lower than that, but nationally, the percentage of women in undergraduate engineering programs hasn't changed much since 1993. It's been pretty flat. It peaked around 2002 at about 22%, and it's actually declined the last few years. So we're still not figuring out what it takes, despite STEM programs, despite funding from the National Science Foundation, still not getting over some of that bridge, and so we're trying to figure out, what is that? So one of the things we're doing is having conversations like we've done it twice already. They're gathering our female students, our female faculty, our alumni, and talking about, what are your experiences? Why did you Choose engineering? Why Marquette? And what can each of us do to sort of um, change that? And I do think as we bring in maybe more women, I also think we're going to bring in a different type of even male students. Um, I think we'll bring. You know, we we're on the minority. You know, working on minor under. I'm sorry, working on underrepresented minorities as well. We're doing a little actually a little better there, but we can do much more. I think we are going to be because of some of the scholarship dollars we've raised and what we're able to offer. We're bringing in more first generation students um, with financial need, and quite a few. We're bringing in a fairly, I think, large number of Hispanic students this fall as part of our HI initiative here on campus. So I think we're doing better. It takes scholarship money to do that. It also takes an environment and a community which will allow them to persist and be successful. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about how we better do that in the college as well through our advising, through peer mentoring, through tutoring services for all of our students. Um, faculty too we are very low in terms of percent female faculty I think of the I think there's like 23 catholic engineering schools we're like our third from the bottom at percent female faculty so how do we make sure that our applicant pool you know, contains or has a much more diverse um, group of, of applicants that we can take a look at? And, and that's going to take not just ads and newspapers and, and journals and that kind of stuff, but it takes a lot of personal phone calls. Um, uh, you know, there are other be- best practices in terms of how do we go find those candidates so we make sure we're getting more diverse faculty as well.
1: So you mentioned you you had some, was it listening sessions uh, with, with students and alumni? Yes. Was there anything that came from that that either surprised you or struck you or you just left there thinking this is an area, I need you know, we need, we need to change or do better or just something that came out of that that resonated with you?
0: I think something that we still hear from our students that still hasn't changed maybe since I was in high school is there are still... Guidance counselors and still teachers talking women out of being engineers or going into the sciences, which is so disturbing that that's still going on today, that there are still these biases about who should be an engineer. And, and and maybe they're saying to male students as well, I don't know, but you hear from the females, they're still not getting the encouragement they should. And yet this the women who do decide to come, it's that one parent or teacher or guidance counselor or even a coach that really made the difference by saying, you can do this and you should be thinking about this and you'll be successful. So we know that we still need that to happen. Um, The other thing too is even within our college, some of the behaviors, let's say of some of our faculty, again, not intentional, sort of that implicit bias, but female students say, I can be standing, you know, I can be sitting next to the male student and the TA or the teacher keeps looking at the male student asking the questions as if I'm not there and I'm, you know, invisible. So we can address those things. And those are things I think that we need to work on. Even when we hear about these things, we don't we're, we don't often know about it, but we're discovering it. We think, well, those are things that we need to address too. And the way we develop our faculty, the way we train our TAs, you know, and I I think, again, as you're getting a turnover in faculty and, you know, some of that culture will change as well. Um, Younger faculty may be coming up with a different sort of mindset and I'm bringing them maybe what some of our more senior faculty had at one time and the way workplaces were at one time. So so some of that um, and sometimes the experiences that our students might have, many of our students co-op and intern out in companies. And it's still a little disturbing to hear that some of them are experiencing some of the sexist or even racist comments in their work environments or co-op and intern environments as well. Uh, It's still going on. Mm -hmm. And so, and companies, I think, are aware of that, or at least we have conversations with the companies about this. And um, what do we do to change that culture in that environment?
1: Mm -hmm. So there's big questions, big challenges. Where do you go from there? I mean, it's not something that you solve in a day (sighs) um, (laughs) or even a lifetime, but, you know, you still have to move forward. And we as a Jesuit school... I think, take those challenges very personally. Um, so what are the next steps you take? And I think you've articulated many of them, but uh, even just people kind of thinking about these problems, you know, not in the College of Engineering, maybe not even at Marquette anymore, maybe an alum, uh, what can they do or what can what can yeah. we do kind of to take steps?
0: So I think, um I think we have to, first of all, have the conversations. We have to have the conversations and be comfortable with them and be open with them and be sort of forthright and not just sort of sweep these things to the table, but they're real, right? And so how do we have those conversations in a way that doesn't, we're not attacking anyone personally. We're not, you know, let's stay on focus in terms of what the issue is we've You know, we've got these low numbers or we've had these bad experiences. How do we work together as a community to do this? And everybody needs to be part of it. It's the students. We have to invite them in the conversation and the faculty. Our alumni are great people for talking about some of this. And many of them hire our students at their companies. And so they're a good conduit into the companies about those behaviors. What are companies doing? Let's look at some of their best practices. So it's really talking about what are people doing in other places? What seems to be working? What isn't working? Um, and be comfortable with um, getting that feedback and be comfortable with discovering those things that maybe we're not doing so well and being honest about it and then thinking about how do we make that change and some of it can be done on a, you know on a penny and some of it's going to be a lot I mean, maybe more expensive to do um, some of it is just a change of mindset and how do we offer training conversations workshops to help people see things differently mm-hmm. and oftentimes you know it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes mm-hmm. um, I often find sometimes I mean think about my own father uh, or other um, men that I worked for, how once they had a daughter who was doing well professionally, or they've had a graduate student who's now female doing this stuff. All of a sudden, they start to notice things themselves. Even as the men, they start to notice some of the biases. They see some of the behaviors that maybe they just didn't experience before because now they're seeing it through someone else's eyes, mm-hmm. even their own daughter. So again, how do, we, how do we create opportunities where we can learn more about other people's lenses on the world?
1: Mm-hmm. I think of uh, in my, uh, my class last fall, I had a student. Um, I have them write their own obituaries oh. <laughs> at the end of the semester. Uh, it's always a fun assignment. Um, uh, Ooh, but one of them, me. who uh, uh, a female in engineering, talked about what I want my obituary. Or what I want to do is I want to be on that hall in the College of Engineering, which has a bunch of guys on it, <laughs> a bunch of white guys, and we I do. want to be there uh, next. Um, and that's on their mind about, you know, how, how traditionally things have been in certain places mm-hmm. and how to change that. Uh, and I think it's, it's partially generational too. Uh, you is. see this next generation, uh, coming up very aware of how things have been, but how, you know, their place in it, what they can do to change. Uh, and uh, we'll see what they do. <laughs>
0: and they have a lot of energy. And yeah. I think they're not afraid to take risks. And uh, they, yeah, they see their lives being very different than maybe their parents or mm-hmm. their their bosses. And I think that's good. It's healthy, right? I mean, um, see the world a little differently. And it it pushes us to think differently and look at things differently. Sometimes we push back <laughs> oftentimes, mm-hmm. but it's exciting. And I, I I love the fact that I think this next generation isn't as, af- as afraid to fail. And they also seem to work better on teams and in groups than maybe our generation did. And, you know, that they like that. They like working with groups and teams sort of versus that I mentality that maybe our generation was about me and my success kind of thing. And so I think that's a healthy attitude to have. And yeah, it's I'm excited for what they bring in and, and the way they look at things differently. And I'm hoping for that change. And I hope that some of the biases and the prejudices and just the way we've always done things will, will change. With this next generation coming up.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you kind of maybe going along with that, can you think of any students in your time here, either as dean or before that, who you kind of think about them, keep them in mind, uh, how they maybe impacted you, changed you, um, and gave you a perspective on here's what I want to do as a leader of the college?
0: Yes. Um, So uh, let me just say that I've had many students who've had an impact on me. I've been very blessed to have a lot of great students who've made a difference in my life, and I'm very fortunate that I stay in touch with a lot of them and continue to see how they're growing, what's happened with their lives and their families. But I do think about one particular student, a story I often tell, because it was a great lesson in never judge a book by its cover. So if you want to think about the creativity piece, too. So there was a, I was probably in my first or second year as a faculty member, and I remember walking down through the pit in our engineering building where students hang out and there was a young man there and he had the spiked hair every spike was probably a good 12 inches in there all down the middle of his head and he had the collar with the you know with the the metal spikes studs and the yeah. spikes and yep. stuff and the leather and everything else and I remember looking at him, and you just didn't see that typically in the engineering lounge, and I remember thinking, wow, I wonder what college that student's in. I mean, he just really stood out, and and the makeup and everything else, I thought, wow. And so, um, a year later, I was teaching one of my engineering classes about the. It was a junior year class, and guess what? He was in the front row of the class when I walked (laughs) into the classroom. I thought, oh, (laughs) I mean, just thinking to myself, and it was the best thing that could have happened because I'm going to tell you, he was the most delightful, polite, generous, respectful, probably student I've ever had. And you know, he sat right in front. He asked great questions. He was delightful. He stayed there and talked. And so, it was just a great moment of you know, I think of Mm. wow, you automatically made this assumption, right? And, and, I, and I did this and yet it just changed my whole mm. uh, point of view and my whole sort of take on things so I've learned now just you really don't judge a book by its cover and so and the young man by the way has done very well mm. I think lives in Wauwatosa has a nice family and he I actually think he was featured in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel one time because mm. of they had these kind of then and now photos and um, you know he said oh, I just went through a phase of my life where I wanted to express myself a lot more creatively and so you know things like that really still stick in my mind just that it had an impact on me
1: that's interesting so you like walk through and it's like Cool let the theater major? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in The engineering building.
0: Not that I have a problem with that. Yeah, but. <laughs> absolutely.
1: But yeah, no, that's what you 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 know the yeah. you think. Um, uh, but that's uh, yeah. So that's,
0: again, there's that on our end too. That engineering stereotype, like so, right? It really so today. I'm the statement when I hear the statement, "Wow, you don't look like mm-hmm. an engineer," really bothers me. Like we need to we need to change that so that statement goes away. That mm-hmm. we have all kinds of people in engineering.
1: Yeah, and we were featured. Marquette was featured in Google's uh, year in review. Uh, for the I look like an engineer hashtag. Uh, the pictures of our students holding up the, the sign that says, I look like an engineer. Two female students in front of uh, the White House mm-hmm. uh, and in front of, uh, I think it was the Today Show, yeah. <laughs> got featured in Google's video uh, to kind of show, like, here's the diversity and the different ways you can express yourself.
0: Yeah, and those were two of our elite students. Mm-hmm. And they were they were terrific. And um, you know, just an example of what we're doing to really change that face of engineering and what people think of us as engineers.
1: So a couple more questions to wrap up. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self?
0: So my 20-year-old self, the advice I would give knowing what I know today is live in the moment and live in the moment, enjoy the moment. Don't look to the past and think about what if it could have done differently and have regrets and stuff. And don't worry so much the future about the future. I tend to be a worry. I'm always thinking about the future and where we're headed and what we need to do. And that's good to some extent. But in doing those things, I think you tend to sometimes miss out on what's happening in the present. So live in the present, live in the moment, um, appreciate what you have today and what's going on today because you don't. Know we don't control the future. We don't know what's coming, and so I'm trying to be a lot more intentional about in my life today, about living in the moment uh, and living in the present, and just really enjoying the beauty around me, which I think is a very Jesuit Ignatian thing as well. And so I would give that to my 20-year-old self as well, moving forward.
1: Who would you consider uh, either over the course of your career, your lifetime, or today? Who are the role models? Who are the people you look to to emulate and mm-hmm. you know embody success?
0: Yeah, I've had I've been fortunate to have some great role models. I'm um, started with my parents. My, parents, my mom and dad, my father was actually a scientist and a professor, so both of them, I really respected them for, they taught us humility, they taught us honesty and integrity, um, and what I enjoyed most my, about my parents is they did befriended everybody, it didn't matter, matter what their education level was or what their edu- uh, economic status was. My parents were really treated everybody with respect, so I really looked to them from in the sense of my relationship with other people. I think a lot came from my parents. I had great role models. I think in teachers along the way, particularly a lot of my math and science professors, and just the way they taught, the way they related to the students, the way they um, talked about you know the topics and materials. I've emulated a lot of that in my own teaching and stuff. Um, and, but today I would say, I know this may sound a little different, but I think my role model is really the way Jesus lived his life. I think a lot about it influences me as a leader and my relationship with others and what I'm being called to do, um, really in the way Jesus led his life and the way he lived with others and the way he respected others. Uh, and, you know, he spent his time maybe with the sinners and the outcasts and the people that are sort of marginalized and said, it's not okay. These, these people are just as important as all of the rest of you. And so, that influences me a lot in the way, just my attitude towards servant leadership and um, serving others, and really, what am I called to do in this world?
1: So, final question: We mm-hmm. ask this for for everyone. This fall, we have an incoming class of 2021 new freshmen. Uh, what advice would you give to them, and uh, how you know they both will go through their education here, but then you know throughout their career, throughout the future, mm-hmm. uh, the way the world will change? What advice do you give to them now?
0: So something that's very important to me, I, w- I would say to them, live with integrity. I think um, integrity is really foundational to everything else in their life and the way people will look at them and the trust that other people will have with them um, in making the right decisions and being able to live with themselves um, and being able to um, impact people in the right way. I always say to my students, integrity is everything. Um, live with integrity. And it's really the only thing you have that sort of defines who you are and, and how y- other people will look at you. So i have a that a lot with them, and it's really important to me, and it's important to the way I think we we practice as a college and as an organization. Um, and I and so that's that would be the piece of advice I'd give them. That's
1: great. All right, that's all I have. Uh, anything cool. else you want to ask? Anything or add else, Lexi? Awesome. Great. Well, thank you. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, the thing you, you mentioned about integrity um, that sticks with me from one an editor I had years ago uh, who talked at the at the State Journal who said that's really we all all we have in this business. You know, like we're we're a news business, but really the only reason we exist. Is people trust us. If they don't trust us, we're done. It's not about the newsprint. It's not about the photos. It's not about the words. It's about like the trust. And it is. You know, can you can you believe this person? Do they have integrity?
0: And in all of our our leadership programs, when we talk about relationships with others, it all starts with trust. If you don't trust a person, it impacts the way you relate to them, the way you talk to them, the way you think about them. And I and I say to my freshmen every year when I get in there, I said, your integrity is all you have. And as I say to them, right now, I trust you all 100%. I have no reason not to. I don't mm-hmm. know you. I trust you 100%. You start here. As soon as you cheat on an assignment, you you know, you do something like that, it drops. And I said, and then you're going to have to work to gain it back. And I said, and no matter what you do, it'll never go back to 100%. I will always know and I always think a little bit about, can I completely trust you? And that's one of the example I'll try to give to them right in the beginning is, don't, it's not worth it. It's mm-hmm. never worth cheating. Do your own work. You're still better getting a 50% of the assignment than a 0%. And you're going to need recommendations someday. You're going to need other people to comment on you. And so integrity is, I just, I don't know, it's at the heart of all that, mm-hmm. I think, right? And so that's you're right in your business too. It's all about trust.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Awesome That does it for this edition. You can find a transcript of this interview, links, and show notes at stories.marquette.edu. If you'd like to nominate someone to be on this podcast, send a tweet to @marquetteu or a message to facebook.com/marquetteu. For this and more podcasts, visit marquette.edu/podcasts. That's podcasts with an s. See you next time.